Welcome to another uh, episode of Ask a Pastor. Welcome. <laughs> it's good to be here. Uh, what we thought we would discuss today uh, is this issue that you're hearing a lot about uh, in the media, uh, perhaps even some things that you've read, and that has to do with issues of justice and something called critical theory. Uh, you also hear it called critical race theory. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we happen to have um, Daniel, who is uh, someone who has experienced this years ago. Mm -hmm. This is not something new to you in terms of your experience, even yeah. your education. You may not know this, but Daniel did his seminary education at Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to us a little bit about what you encountered there and as it relates to this matter of justice and, mm -hmm. and critical theory. Yeah, so my seminary experience was not uh, very normal, you could say. The Bible uh, played no part of it, right? <laughs> it played a very, <laughs> it played a part, but not the <laughs> predominant part, yeah. which is really interesting. But uh, things around social justice, and typically when people talked about social justice, they meant it in a certain way. And usually when you hear people talking about social justice today, they usually mean it in this way as well. Because we have to say, there's a lot of good things about social justice. There's a lot of things that the Bible agrees with when we talk about social justice. But usually when people are using that term, they're using it through a lens of critical theory. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, what you were mentioning. But at Vanderbilt, critical theory was just kind of assumed. It was always weaved throughout every single class. So we always... Uh, whether it was studying the Bible or theology or history, did it through a perspective or the, the dominant way that we looked at it was through critical theory. So describe that. What, what is the dominant theme of world perspective, world life perspective of critical theory? Yeah. So and maybe a lot of you have already kind of had introductions to this and a lot of the language might sound familiar because it's becoming kind of common parlance now, but a very reduced form of critical theory, I say, really revolves around three beliefs. So three core beliefs. The first being about inequality. Mm -hmm. The second being about power. And the third being about identity. So at its fundamental basis, that's what it's about. So starting with the first one, critical race theory or critical theory has to do with inequality. And the summary is this. This is the basic belief that all inequality in society is the result of unjust and oppressive social structures and social systems. So, for example, I was actually listening to an NPR uh, weekend edition. This was back in June where they were interviewing a librarian. And this librarian worked in, I think, the University of Columbia. And Stacy, her name was Stacy Collins. And they were talking about her to her about policing in libraries. And uh, the main host, is his name's Scott Simon, he asked her, what do you think about police presence in libraries? Is it really necessary? And she said this. She said, quote, police pre presence ostensibly makes places safer. But what happens is the behavioral problems that happen in libraries, instead of being treated with a warning or a suspension of library services, now faces police action, which is a huge escalation. So what she's saying is when you bring police into a situation, they're a social force. They are a structural and a systemic force that actually escalates violence. And so Scott Simon asked her, but do you believe there are legitimate security risks at libraries? And she says this, quote, I believe there are safety issues everywhere in part because marginalized folks exist everywhere. Mm. So that's really key. See, what she's seeing is everything through a critical theory lens. In other words, 
all inequality in wealth, in crime, in outcomes, in, you know, your, your social status. It all is the result, in her mind, of over-policing and general marginalization. In other words, the reason that there's violence is because people are the product of these social forces or these social structures that are oppressing them, and now they're acting out in response to it. Interesting. Yep. Where does uh, any sense of personal responsibility come into play in that? So that's really interesting. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. So every inequality, every injustice is the result of these social forces or these social structures. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, yeah, behavioral problems or personal immorality or sin Mm -hmm. don't play into that category. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. People believe this because there's actually a lot of truth in it, right? Just like with any idea, there's a measure of truth in it. So, for instance, there are oppressive social structures, you think of predatory lending, for instance, yeah. giving out small amounts of money to people who are really hurting, charging an extremely high interest rate mm-hmm. with a payoff period that's razor thin. That's just a recipe to get people into this perpetual cycle and system of poverty, right? That'd be yeah. one example. Yeah. However, the falsehood in it is it's way too simple. Mm-hmm. It reduces this really complex problem like poverty or violence, and it reduces it to only one factor. And, and that so, factor is? And that factor is an oppressive social system. Yeah. So what we have to do then is institute public policy or, uh, and we're going to get into this in the next point, it institute policy that will overturn that oppressive system. It never will be the result of people changing their individual behavior, yeah. people repenting from their sin. Yeah. It's only social problems. So a person's identity is wholly wrapped up into where they are in this system. Yep. Are they an oppressor or an oppressee? And that's the that's a perfect lead into the next, you know, second fundamental belief, which is a belief about power. So in critical theory, reality is power or power is reality. In other words, there's no such thing as ultimate truth. There's no such thing as an ultimate good or an ultimate evil. There's no such thing as true beauty. The whole entire world is dependent on whether you have power or whether you don't have power. So when I make a truth claim, it's not, okay, is that actually true? It's, no, do I have power or not? Or do I not have power? So that right, so a truth claim, another word that I've heard used or read is factoid. Yeah. You know, there, there were certain things that we would say are factually true or factually not true. Uh, critical theory would say, no, not really the case. That's right. Facts don't matter. It's really back to your identity. Who's making this claim? That's right, because language, law, politics, sometimes even science, all these things are actually the byproduct of people with power trying to maintain their power. So when you say, no, that's just not true, and you happen to have power, I would just say, no, that's you trying to oppress me with this idea of truth that you're using as a power grab Mm -hmm. over me to leverage yourself over me. Yeah. You can begin to see a little bit where our our Christian faith comes into conflict with some of these ideas because of individual human responsibility, because of the claim that there, some things are true and some things are not. And there has to be a way to discover what is or isn't true. But yep. Yeah. yeah, because God made us as complex creatures, right? Yeah. So we, we have minds, we have wills, we have affections, and God intends us to use those to discover truth, to discover yeah. beauty, to discover what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's yeah. evil. Yeah. 
And so the question then becomes for people who are in critical theory, who has power and who mm -hmm. doesn't? And uh, the way that people talk about this is this concept called intersectionality. I know that's a really <laughs> ridiculously big term. But it's a term we're hearing more and more. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And it, it comes from this lady. Her name is Kimberly Crenshaw, who was a feminist thinker back in the 80s and 90s. And um, the best way to think about this is if you have a scale, right? And every time you add power onto the scale, your moral authority goes down. Yeah, which is very interesting. It is. Yeah. And, and, and so how you determine you have power is based on things like your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, your class. So, for instance, if you are a male as opposed to a female, you have more power. So you put a stone on the scale and your moral authority goes down. Moral authority also translated into any legitimacy with regards to anything you might say right. or feel or do. That's right. It just goes down. You become less and less legitimate That's as right. a person to contribute anything to this discussion. Yep. Yeah. And so then you also hear these terms like social location. So mm -hmm. based on your social location, how you line up on those intersectional categories, right? If you, for instance, for me, I'm a white heterosexual male. Mm -hmm. That means I socially locate in that category, and therefore, because of my social location, I'm actually blinded to reality, the reality of power yeah. around me, yeah. because I'm an oppressor, and I actually have less moral authority mm -hmm. to speak into meaningful issues, mm -hmm. like you were saying. Now, this is all moving towards this issue of power. Who's yep. going to hold power? Mm -hmm. Talk about that just a bit. Yeah, so what this basically gets down to is the way that a critical theorist looks at history is that there's this eternal kind of struggle going on between the oppressors and the oppressed. And the idea that they want to accomplish is to even the scale. So that means taking power from these people over here and giving it to these people over here so that we will ultimately reach a time and a place where we will have a perfect equality. So its outlook on history and its belief in history is very utopian. Yeah. And so this actually gets into, uh, this could be a little rabbit trail. I'm going to try and not make it a rabbit trail. When people are very uh, not self-deprecating, when they take themselves very seriously, you can tell they have kind of this utopian view of human nature. Because when you start making jokes around, you know, common foibles people have, that that's actually striking at this utopian idea that mm -hmm. they have. And it, then you put it into categories not of, oh, that's kind of funny and we can kind of laugh about that. It's now actually you're oppressing that person because you're making a joke about who they are. Mm. So it's, it's really interesting. That is kind of a rabbit trail. We'll, we'll get off that. But we'd call that, uh, you know, there's, there's a politically correct way to act sure. and a non-politically correct way to act. Right. So yep. uh, you're, become, you're just evidencing the fact that you're the oppressor mm -hmm. by the way you speak or yeah. things you say that you shouldn't say or do that you shouldn't do that, yep. that oppress another group of people. That's right. And with this whole thing about power being reality, again, there's a measure of truth in it. Is there a real category of power? Yes. There yeah. is. And we, we actually, as Christians, are called to be people who lay down our power in the sacrificial service of others in instances. Yeah. Um, so there is that truth. The, the problem with this idea of power is reality is it's, it's self-defeating, yeah. right? If there's no universal truth and you make that claim, well, is that claim true? Yeah. That there's no universal truth? It, yeah. There's no good and evil. Well, is, is, yeah. that, is that a good statement or a bad statement? Yeah. 
well, they would say it's a good statement, but I thought there wasn't a good and evil. Yeah. So, and so when you take God out of the picture altogether, which of course critical theory does, uh, you don't have a God in place, in power, who is just, right. and good, yep. and righteous, and always this way, mm-hmm. who therefore can give us categories for determining truth or falsehood, right or wrong. That's right. And uh, and and so now in terms of who's going to possess this power, what, what's, what's the critical piece? It has something to do with identity. Oh, I mean, yep, that, that's everything, right? Yep. Identity is everything. So the Christian worldview says that we are creatures made in God's image, that we have inherent dignity and value as persons, mm-hmm. uh, that we are individuals actually before God, mm-hmm. before anything else. But in critical theory, your group identity is the primary thing about you. So I can never transcend being a person with power who identifies as white, male, heterosexual, cisgendered. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I'm actually morally culpable Mm -hmm. and I'm actually morally held accountable because of my group, not based on what I've done. Yeah. And that's actually a really big thing because if, if I actually injured somebody or wronged Mm -hmm. somebody is irrelevant. I'm not guilty because I did something wrong. I'm guilty because of who I am. Yeah. And so that's where critical theory, uh, again, good things about it can help us maybe view the world from a different perspective, but there can be a lot of danger in it too. So when we do use terms like social justice or systemic problems, we have to really make sure we understand what people mean when they say that because they could mean from a really critical critical theory perspective, or they could just mean it generally. Yeah, yeah. there's there, there's social injustice, and yeah. there's so it just a, a thought occurs to me. One of the beauties of the Christian faith is that we have a justice that actually critiques both ends of this thing that we're talking about. That's right. Uh, there there are oppressive people in power. There are oppressive systems in power. The Bible would speak with authority against that oppression. Right. It would say that is wrong, and it does so on the basis of who God is and what his character is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, so if you're a white, heterosexual male uh, making decisions, maybe you work in a business or maybe you own the business, uh, the gospel, the, the scriptures themselves, will mm-hmm. critique your behavior, That's right. how you either yep. help or bless people mm-hmm. or curse them, yep. oppress them. And uh, a useful, a vitally useful tool in navigating forward for any society. Mm-hmm. Critical race theory, on the other hand, doesn't allow the one the ability to critique someone individually. You're right. just simply who you are, That's your right. identity. Where do you fit in the spectrum in terms of identity? And based on that identity, you're guilty. Therefore, uh, this is putting it crassly, but shut up. You know, you have sure. nothing to say mm-hmm. that can contribute to this conversation simply because of who you are. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you were here, Daniel. Daniel has actually, as, as he's indicated, lived this. Went, it was dealing with this day in, day out when you were in school, yeah. in seminary. Uh-huh. So th- this is nothing new to you, but to some others of us, some of this language and some of these ideas are definitely new to us and confuse us. So 
this has been helpful, helpful to me. I hope it's helpful to others. Yeah, and uh, we hope to do what does the Bible say about justice because it's, it's kind of complex. So that'll be our next Ask the Pastor. There you go. It'll All be right. a study from Genesis to Revelation. That's so, right. <laughs> thank you. All right, take care. Thanks so much.